welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Ben Fitzgerald. Let's get into the Word. Father, we thank you for your Word. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of Christmas. You are the Christ Mass. You are the one that we celebrate at this time of year. We thank you that Christmas has such a family feel. It has such a feeling of excitement and warmth that carries that all across the world. People say, oh, Christmas came from a pagan holiday. I don't care, God, what they say because that candy cane represents the white, uh, the, the whitewashed robes through the blood of Jesus and, and the tree represents the tree of life, the new life. And we pray, Father, that you would grant us in this Christmas to experience your new life. And God, I ask you that Jesus would be magnified in this message this morning because this is a message of hope. Christmas is a message of hope. It's not a message of gifts. It's a message of the greatest gift called Jesus Christ. So we pray, Father, that you'd illuminate your word and just let us be astonished by how good God is. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've got to be quick because um, we had a lot of announcements and prayed for the sick and all that stuff, which is the best thing to do. Uh, Let's go to the book of Luke. I told you that already. Chapter one, excuse me, not chapter two. Okay, we'll go down to to verse 35. Now the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, he also appeared to Elizabeth. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth was a relative and she also has conceived in her old age. This is now the sixth month for her also, she was uh, angels talking to Mary, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, she's talking about herself, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country and made haste. Now, before I, I get into this, you have to remember something. Mary did not have Facebook. Mary didn't have a cell phone and mobile phone. She had no way of contacting the hill country of Judah, except by people's spoken word. Like someone on a donkey's going there, takes them five days. Can you please tell Elizabeth I'm pregnant? She didn't know this. I'm pretty sure that Elizabeth had no clue. But Mary arose, verse 39, and went to the hill country with haste to the city of Judah. She entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now it happened that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, so hey, Elizabeth, when she heard that, that the baby, and you know who she was pregnant with, John the Baptist. It says the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. You know why? Because she had John in her baby womb and in the other womb, she had the Messiah. Now, she'd only just been told by the angel that you're going to give birth to the very hope of the entire world. A couple of days later, she decides, okay, if that's the case, I'm gonna go visit. I don't know why she felt compelled to, but I'm gonna go visit Elizabeth because the angel said she's also having a baby. So I'm going to go find out if it's true, if Elizabeth is pregnant. She goes to Elizabeth and she finds, as soon as she says, Elizabeth, that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit instantly and feels this baby jump inside her womb, which to me, it's honestly phenomenal that as soon as a baby who's not even born, this proves to you that abortion is completely wrong because the child was unborn and it heard the voice of another woman outside of it itself, outside of the, the shell, and it leapt in the womb. It did a dance. And when it did a dance, it somehow did something that blessed the Holy Spirit. When it blessed the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth got filled with God. 
Every time you rejoice because the Messiah is coming to your house, every time you rejoice because something bad in your life is happening, but you choose, I'm gonna praise God, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single time, something, now let me tell you, I gotta tell you more about this. Let me tell you, every time that you are going through something or you're up there in the hill country of Judah, no one knows who you are, your husband can't speak because he disobeyed God, whatever's going on in your life, the second you rejoice at the Messiah's presence in your house, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will begin to leap. And I'm gonna go a little deeper into this. Then we're gonna turn over to Matthew chapter two also. But it says that Elizabeth leapt, uh, sorry, uh, John leapt in Elizabeth's womb. He leapt and he gave glory to God without even being born. The first ever praise service that happened outside of this earth was John the Baptist. He was inside his mother's womb and he praised God and he gave thanks to God. The three kings that visited Jesus, the three wise men, you know, they were rerouted, all these different things happened. Angels appeared to them, a star appears to them. These people, by the way, they were the Magi, which stands for magic. They were people that we would not like. The reason why we wouldn't like them is because they were trying to do spells and find out, is there a Messiah? And God, I know God doesn't use spells. God hates witchcraft. He hates all that stuff. Hates tarot cards too. He hates all that. <laughs> Some of you got that. He hates tarot cards. But these Magi were not Christian. They weren't Jews. They were searching, is there a God in the earth? God chose to tell these people who are into divination more about His Son than He did some of the Jewish people seeking God. Do you know why? Because they weren't seeking for social status. They were seeking for an answer. And they made this Messiah that they'd heard about and read prophecies in the Jewish scripts about their answer. So much so they brought all these gifts and they totaled it up. Someone did a total of it. They said it would have been worth millions of dollars what they brought to the feet of Mary and Joseph on behalf of Jesus. But it says, you will know the angel appeared to them singing, you know, Hosanna in the highest, goodwill to men, peace be on earth, Jesus is coming. And they said, they're like, awesome man, like, like we're just coming to, to give him everything we have. We wanna lay down at, our feet, at, at his feet. And they said, you'll know when you see a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths in a manger. You will know that's him. So they get there, they see this baby, a couple of donkeys and just a weird hay situation, kind of weird place. And they bowed down at his feet and handed him millions of dollars worth of frankincense, myrrh and gold. They bowed down at the feet of a baby, not knowing that it was a baby they were bowing down to, they were bowing down to the Messiah of the universe, the person who reconciles God to man, but that's not the most incredible part of the story. That's just an encouragement to you that anytime you're going through something, anytime you seem to be, like even if you're caught out here outside of the promise or you feel like there's a promise you're meant to inherit, you just go on that journey. Where is my Messiah again? And take everything you've got to Him. That's what I do with my life. Anytime I find a problem in my life, I just say, where is that Messiah of mine? Where is Jesus? And I take everything to His feet. Because if I take it into my own hands and my own feet, I know what will happen. The, the weight of that will cause me to stumble. And I can't afford to stumble. I wanna be leaping in the womb. I don't, I don't know about you, but I wanna leap this Christmas. I'll even do one now. Why not? You know? <laughs> I'll do one. I wanna leap. That's why I love watching Daniel worship because he leaps a bit. You know? He looks like a big eagle. Kind of. I love it. Yeah. The voice spoke to her and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth had a revelation. As soon as John leaped in the womb, she had a revelation. Whatever's in her womb is greater than what's in my womb. She realized and was able to recognize and she said, what, a, what an amazing gift that even the baby inside your stomach would even come to my house. 
She was so, so thankful. So were the three wise men. So thankful that they would be given the opportunity to be even close to the Messiah, even though he was unborn at the time. And it says that Mary hung out with Elizabeth and she felt so connected to her and they felt so connected. Her, her babies, her and Elizabeth, they felt connected because they had one mission, one purpose. One was born to prepare the way, one is the way. And so she stayed there for three months. She lived at Elizabeth's house. She hung out with Elizabeth. Elizabeth cooked for her probably. Three months she stayed. Not six, three. Elizabeth was six months pregnant. I can see you giving me the six. But thank you. Thank you. I love the clarification. It's good. My maths aren't too good. But it says she stayed there in the house for close to three months. But Elizabeth was six months pregnant. In other words, she stayed till full term. Elizabeth stayed with Mary. Sorry, Mary stayed with Elizabeth and she waited for the person that would prepare the way for her son. And she watched him be born. And then she left and went back to her own house. And that's when all the stuff happened with Joseph and he married her. So what happened there? Well, when the ark of God was coming to Israel, King David, he had the ark. He had what Mary had in his stomach. He had the answer for Israel. He brought the ark and he got afraid. He got afraid because one of his friends touched the ark and God struck him because you cannot touch what's holy with your own flesh. You cannot do this thing in your own flesh. That's why it says when you take communion, be careful that you don't take communion in vain. Be careful that in your heart, you're right with God before you take it, that you're not taking communion while you hate your neighbor and will not forgive them. Not good for you. Because you're saying, let's mix what's holy with what's hurtful. And you can't mix holy and hurtful. It has to be holy and loving. So David, he got afraid, but then he found out the ark of God is in Obed-Edom's house and everything's flourishing. And David went and took the ark. And what did he do before the ark? He leapt. The ark was in Obed-Edom's house three months Mary stayed with Elizabeth three months. David leapt before the womb of God called the ark and John the Baptist in Mary in Elizabeth's womb leapt before God the same way before the New Testament ark, which is your ark, which is your answer, which is the only answer, Jesus Christ. And I, I just wanna tell you today, you should get excited for Christmas because it reminds us that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, unto the world an answer is given to all of humanity. He's the friend of sinners. He's the best person you'll ever meet. I watched a Johnny Cash film clip last night and it's not written by him. It's a song called Hurts, written by another band. But he shows at the very end, he says, I'll make you hurt. And, he's and it shows Jesus being nailed to a cross and Johnny Cash broken over his life that he lived with drugs and all this sort of stuff. But at the very end of his life, in the latter 20 years of his life, he gave his life to Jesus. The majority of his songs he wrote were actually gospel songs. And what he said was in that song, he's like, I'll let you down. I'll make you hurt. But then you see Jesus being beaten on that cross and you realize even though we let him down, even though we hurt him, he never hurt us. And he's a friend of sinners. He's a friend of yours. Even if you don't recognize how much he's a friend, he is. And we need to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world for who he really is. He's not a religious figurehead. He is the Messiah of every living being. Whoever was, whoever is, and ever will be. He is God. And God, this is the most fascinating part of this story, even though David leapt like John leapt in three months, all these allegories were leading to the prophetic uh, life of Jesus. Everything was leading there because just before this, Mary was told he will be the Lord over the house of David. Interestingly, she then did what David did, stayed three months with the ark, etc. So it's interesting how prophetic it all was. But you know what, to me, the craziest part of this is, Jesus was always with the Father in the very beginning. He was always there. He's the great I am. Dan mentioned it before. Before Abraham was, he was. 
He was always with the Father. Colossians 1 says the world was created through him, for him, and by him. Every hair on your head is numbered by God. Some of you might have had a few fall out, but God still knows the number you have left. <laughs> and, and you can pray that God will help restore them. By the way, I've seen that happen. Um, so some of you are like, yes, can we get laid hands on later? <laughs> but if you learn to rejoice before the ark, everything that, that belongs to Jesus will belong to you. But something amazing to me that really happened is this, that God became a man. God became flesh. You know what shocks me about God? That he would actually take on physical form like me, like you. That he himself, even though he rules the heavens and the earth, that gravity bows down to everything he says. That before the face of God, it says the heavens and the earth flee in Revelation 22. Everything about God is power, majesty, glory, and full and utter sovereignty. He owns the universe but he chose to become a little baby that had to have its diapers changed. He chose. You know what I love though about this? He entered into Mary's womb, but before he entered into Mary's womb, he already knew the heartbeat of the Father. In heaven, he was leaning on the Father at the right hand of the Father. Everything he and the Father did, they did as one through the Holy Spirit. Three but one. For all of his existence, however long that is, before he came to earth, it was like this. With my Father just listening to dad's heart and obeying his father in heaven, creating through his father, Colossians 1, creating the earth. Let's, let's make monkeys look like that. It looks cool. Let's make a shark. It looks amazing. Let's make a dolphin. They can jump a shark, you know, whatever. Let's make waves so people can surf them. All of the, the amazing creativity. Let's make a, a beautiful rosella bird that looks like just incredible, the colors. Let's make every person, every seven billion people alive, let's make them all with different fingerprints, with each one of them has a different set of eyes. No one will ever be the same. My fingerprint will be individually on each and every one of them. Let's make them in our image. That was the Jesus that decided then to come and live inside a woman's womb. And for many, many centuries, decades and eons, he was always by his father, hearing his father's heartbeat. But he chose to get inside Mary so he could hear hers too. As he was in her body, he heard the heartbeat of a human. The fact that God would do that for you and I, that he always heard the heartbeat of a perfect person and then would enter imperfect flesh so he could hear the heartbeat. What is man's heartbeat? It's astounding to me that he'd be so humble to do that. That's the beginning of his humility. And when he was born, that humility only went lower, lower and lower still to the point of death on a cross. When Jesus was born, he was born to be the king. He wasn't born to be, like I said before, a religious figurehead. He was born to be king. But he was born to be king of people who need him. He wasn't be born to be king of people who've got it all together. He wasn't born to be the king of people who, who are from some rich palace. He chose Mary. He chose Elizabeth, who lived in the hill country of Judah. He chose people like you. He chose people like me. He didn't choose us because we are special. He chose us because he makes us special. He didn't choose us because he could have come down out of the clouds and said, here I am, worship me. He chose to get inside a person's stomach, to get inside her womb and to be born like we're born and to suffer like we suffer. He chose to feel what you feel. That's why the wonders of his, of his love are able to remove a skin condition that has tormented a girl because he knows exactly what that torment is like. And he's humble. He's the most humble king ever. 
Some people say, oh, Jesus is a religion with a bunch of rules. No, he's not. He's the only one out of all of the people who claim to be the way or the path or whatever they said about God. He is the only one who can actually fellowship with what it's like to be a human being and yet be the answer to all humanity. There's nobody else that loved you like he did. There's no other friend that you've ever had like Jesus. There is not. I'm gonna read one scripture to you, then we're gonna pray. This is right after Jesus was born. You know, Herod, he chased the the children. By the way, that's historically proven. You can go to Israel. This is outside of the Bible, but it's historically proven that thousands were killed, the voice in Ramah weeping. Why would somebody kill thousands of young children under two years of age if the person that was being born was not significantly important? This is historically proven. This is the Kings, verse 9, chapter 2 of Matthew 2, 9. When they heard the, king, uh, heard the king, they departed, and behold, a star, which they had seen in the east, came before them, till the star came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. <laughs> Non-Christians who don't know God, who are looking for a Messiah, just saw a star, not even the Messiah, and were like, woohoo, he's alive! They understood that this Messiah could do something no human could ever do. That He could set people free on the inside because He'd become like a man. That He'd know every pain, every suffering. He'd know what you're going through. He'd know what you'd be through. He'd know every, every suffering you'd ever be in. And He'd say, I'm the way out. They understood, even though they weren't saved, that this King isn't just gonna be King of Israel. This King is gonna touch every single nation, every soul alive if they turn to Him. They had the ability to rejoice before even seeing if it was real. They were in process. They were in steps on the way to find that manger. But even before they got there, they were able to rejoice at the seeing of a flickering star. Are you? Even if you haven't been fully freed, even if it feels like something's hindering back a breakthrough this Christmas, will you rejoice? Not only because a star has been seen, but because that star, the bright morning star, lives in you. You have something greater than they had. You have something greater than the Old Testament prophets had. They long to rejoice and sit and be where you're seated. Where you're seated, that sounded weird. They long to be with you where you are seated right now. They long to be in the new covenant. But sometimes as believers, we can go, well, life isn't going so great. Church isn't great right now, or I don't feel like I have a purpose. And we can go in circles. These people weren't even saved. They're on a long journey, dragging carts with them, probably in the the heat, sleeping under the stars. They had nothing that they could have said is amazing about this journey. But even when they saw a star that pointed to the sun, they were able to rejoice. They were able to say, He is my all. He is all my frankincense. He is all my myrrh. He is all my gifts. Did Jesus need frankincense, myrrh and gold? No, He is the gold. But why did they give everything they had? because they recognized that anything they had was so far insignificantly less compared to having Him. And this morning, God wants you to recognize that anything you've got going in your life, no matter how good you think it was, listen, man, I had prostitute after prostitute every single week. I had the people that you think look like a Barbie doll. I had money in my pocket. I had supposed power over people. People are afraid of me. I had nothing on the inside. I was the emptiest person alive. Someone said to me uh, the other day, I was prophesying over a guy and I've been praying for a lot of people the last few days, preaching out loud and just going for it, man. I feel like a, just a stirring of boldness in my spirit just to proclaim Jesus is the reason, Christ Mass. 
And I felt that boldness on me, you know, and so I've been praying and prophesying over people. And I told a guy, hey, yeah, two days ago, I said, hey, I sense in the Lord, you're gonna be very wealthy. I said, but whether you're happy is up to you. And he looked at me really funny, it struck him. And I said, whether, you, you can be wealthy. You can have everything you think you want. I've had all that. You can everything, have everything you think will fill you. I've had that. You can have some pursuit of fame. You can, have some, you can even be a Christian and think, well, I know certain famous Christians. This will not make you fulfilled. What will make you fulfilled is when you behold that star and you say, God, I thank you. Father, these little flickering stars, these little shooting stars, they are not steadfast. They do not remain. They're not the thing that I can look up and find hope with. These little flickering things, they just come, they just go. But they are not the remaining star. They are not the bright morning star. They have done nothing for my soul. They've given me nothing everlasting. They've given me nothing that I can say and hold on to as my own identity. But you have, you've given me everything. And it says that they went, further on it says that they went there and, and they were warned actually by dreams not to, to go the, the way of Herod, but they went and they found the child, Emmanuel, God with us. They found him. When they found him, they at his feet. These are kings. This would be like the president. This would be like the, the Prime Minister of Australia coming and you found out tomorrow in the Herald Sun, Prime Minister of Australia is in Adelaide at a beach, in a beach hut because he's there worshipping a little baby. We'd be like, what is wrong with the Prime Minister? We found out Prime Minister drops his Holden car and he parks it at the beachfront and says, I'm giving it to that little baby. And he also gave the title deed, lease for the house and said, I'm giving it all to the baby. These were kings. They were not poor people. They weren't desperate people. They had everything, but they recognised without the one thing, you have nothing. And this morning, Jesus wants to set you free from thinking that all these other little shooting stars that give you temporary fulfilment can keep you full. That all these things that you feel you're going through, that you would actually live in a place where you're able to rejoice. I heard recently some Christians, they can't even forgive someone that wronged them. <laughs> but a non-Christian king who does witchcraft, who's looking for stars and astronomy to try and point the way and God interrupts his astronomy, doesn't bless it, doesn't say this is the way, but says, you know what? You guys are onto something. I'm gonna even put in the heavens and in the earth, like it's written in Joel 2, signs in the heavens and in the earth, the coming of my king. And they found him. They threw themselves at his feet. They gave everything. This morning, will you give yourself to God? I believe there's some people here, your life is not right with the Lord. You don't have that peace. You have shooting stars. That girl, she's, oh, we had a relationship, we broke up. That guy, oh yeah, that job, I lost that job. You have all these shooting stars and they come out of your heart and then they leave your heart and you're like, why do I not have anything solid to hold on to? All you've got to do is just come and give what you've got to, to your King, to the one who came and became flesh so He could sympathise and know you. He didn't come so you could bow down and worship Him. He came so that through your worship of Him, He could give you freedom. He didn't come and say, I demand you to worship. He came and He got on a cross and He was covered in blood, beaten and bruised, tormented because of our sin and never asked us to take the punishment. He took it for us. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this one or for other information, check out our website at firechurch.com.au. Right.